Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the You Should Run podcast. I'm Tony Heil, council member in Bridgeport, Pennsylvania. And if you've listened in the past, you know that I have spoken with people all over the country, including Washington, D.C., from Maine to Hawaii, from Alaska to South Florida, uh, at all levels of government. But of course, personally, I love councils. And today I'm going to be talking with someone who's running for council in Pittsburgh, my hometown. Uh, We will not be talking about hockey or football. We'll be talking about um, the sport of, well, not the sport, the seriousness of running and her thoughts and um, judgment on what to do in Pittsburgh city government and kind of the things that are different about a city government versus state, local, etc., and uh, the many things that you can possibly accomplish. Uh, My guest today is Bethany Cameron, and she actually worked for one of my earlier podcast guests, uh, Natalia Rudiak, uh, who was a council member in Pittsburgh as well. So she has a lot of experience seeing on the ground level what gets done in Pittsburgh. So she knows more than some other people might. And now we're going to learn what she has to say. Um, With that, welcome, Bethany. Thank you for talking today. Thanks so much, Tony. I appreciate uh, being on. This is exciting. Oh, well, I I hope I live up to the exciting part. We'll see what we can do. I'm a pretty big nerd, so don't you worry. (laughs) Great. So um, the third episode of WandaVision launched today. Did you see it yet? And is that going to be the focus? I wish it were. I have a nine-year-old son. Mm -hmm. We have not yet gotten to WandaVision, and it makes me upset, but I am patiently waiting. I have to say, I have to say it is, I I really love it. I think it's really creative, um, and hopefully... Saying so will get people at Marvel to give me something. Not that anyone cares. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Tag at Marvel, right? Well, there are, um, speaking of superheroes, I think it does take some superheroes to try and change the world in real life. And you're hoping to make a difference in Pittsburgh. Tell everybody here, um, you know, how long have you been, you've been involved in Pittsburgh for quite a while now. I have. I um, so I actually moved to Pittsburgh when I was 18 to attend the University of Pittsburgh mm-hmm. and uh, got a fairly early start um, being interested in sort of organizing and politics. And more recent history, as I as you mentioned, work for Councilwoman Natalia Rudiak. I also work for Pittsburgh City Councilwoman Deb Gross and uh, Allegheny County Controller Chelsea Wagner. So I... I feel like I have a bit of on-the-ground experience when it comes to seeing how things work, and more importantly, I think, a lot of the time, um, how they're not working. Um, And, you know, part of what I did at Pitt was a little bit of um, process engineering. Um, And so I'm real interested in taking a look at how um, city processes work and which, like I said, I'm a nerd. This stuff is very boring, but it's, it's my jam. But uh, taking a look and seeing, are they effective? Are mm-hmm. they efficient? Um, and are they achieving the goals that we want them to achieve? Because I think that we don't actually answer that question often enough. Yeah, and you know, one of my favorite conversations I've had on this podcast was with another state rep uh, from the West Coast, Noel Frame. She talked about being a tax policy nerd and I can do a lot in those line items in a budget to affect progressive change. I'm sure you learned a lot about the details of things working for Deb and Natalia about how 
something that maybe people don't see maybe can make a huge difference on the ground that maybe no one gets credit for. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I definitely had uh, several instances where uh, that was the case. And I think that, you know, it also, I think has a lot to do with communication. I think in Pittsburgh, particularly in South Pittsburgh District 4, where I'm running, um, folks don't necessarily know how to keep up with our local government. Um, and it's no fault of their own. It doesn't get a whole lot of media play here. Um, but I think that it does mean that we're not really as involved or included in the conversation as we could be. Um, and I think that, you know, ultimately sort of having nerds that <laughs> really like digging into the gory details of budgets and processes and such, um, you know, go through that and then make sure we're aligning with the needs of the community. I think that's the best case scenario when it comes to how to govern. So <clears throat> that's what you would do if you could govern, but right now you're running and mm -hmm. the election is in this spring. Um, what was it? What, was there an impetus or thing that made you decide, I am going to officially get in and run for this seat as opposed to support someone else or advocate in some other way? Yeah, I um. As I mentioned, you know, with that experience of being in the back of the room, I also have just kind of dreamed about asking budget directors, you know, or department directors questions during budget season that I haven't heard other folks ask. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes down to why me versus why, uh, you know, want to support somebody else, first of all, there was nobody else who was a seven forward. Second of all, um, you know, I uh, I'm a pretty stubborn person. I um, have kind of a diverse work experience, you know, but I also really, you know, use that stubbornness for when things are really, really important. And I um, I just haven't seen necessarily enough fight um, coming from South Pittsburgh representation. Mm -hmm. So I think that you know, somebody with my kind of spirit um, and my sense of urgency, not just because I know we can do better, but also, as I mentioned, I have a nine-year-old son. You mm -hmm. know, when we look at the, what is it, inter, intergovernmental panel on, panel on climate change, they say we have nine years. That's when he's 18, yeah. you know? So I, you know, and I also have experience talking to some of his best friends who, you know, fear interacting with police because they're skin color. You know, and, and it's horrifying for a nine-year-old to feel that way. Um, so I feel like it's our job to uh, solve the problem um, and, and figure out the various ways we actually need to address issues. You know, it can't just be a one-off. We have to really thoroughly investigate these complex problems um, and kind of untangle them if we're really going to make real progress. Yeah, definitely. And and I'm a father of a seven and a five-year-old. You have a nine-year-old. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I think this, it sounds like you're like me in that having, I was already politically involved like you were before having children. And, um, but it feels like a heightened responsibility. Like I need my kids to grow up knowing that you have to do something. Like, like I can't 
grow up and have my kids grow up and think that apathy is okay. Oh my goodness, I could not agree more. I mean, when during the impeachment hearing, I'm sorry. Which one? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, those first ones, uh, you know, I would, you know, pick my son up from school and it would be playing. Uh And I would, you know, not make him pay attention to every moment of it, but there were certain key moments where I would say, hey, listen to this, you know, and explain, okay, that's the Senate Majority Leader's name is Mitch McConnell. Here's what he's saying, and here's what they're saying about this process. And I and I could not agree more. I think it's really our responsibility to show, um, to kind of lead by example, you know, to show by example that it is our responsibility as citizens to be involved in our community and to uh, work for the betterment of our community and all of our neighbors. And I think, you know, with having a little tiny person around, it's a constant reminder. You know, they say that the days are long and the years are short yeah. when it comes to having children. And so, you know, it's, it's so true. And so when you see, like, year after year go by and you're watching this child grow and you're not watching that park grow, you know, it is very, just a visceral experience, you know, to really put a different kind of light on the fact that, yeah, we have, you know, a lot of things we need to face, but the urgency feeling is just, I mean, it lights a fire, I feel like. I don't know if you feel that way. Oh, it does. I There's a lot of times when I'm tired, and I'm sure you are too, and, and I'm like, well, you know, I'm not doing enough. And, um, and I'm, and I'm not, and I look at people now who are younger than me, including you, um, and not not that you're like too much younger than me, but, um, and I'm like, I can't, it's, it, no one need, no one who can do something can not do something. It's a, and it's actually a lesson from a lot of the Marvel movies. That's like, I was listening to a podcast about Black Panther and that's kind of the responsibility they have at the end is we have all this, these tools to make the world better. We have to do it. Exactly, exactly. And, that, yeah, I mean, it's, I feel like, you know, I happen to, you know, kind of get in and around our local government, and because of that, having that experience and that knowledge and the kind of drive that I have, um, exactly, I feel like it didn't come in upon me. I feel like uh, I have a duty to use what I have been given, you know, by the gift that I've been blessed with, you mm-hmm. know. It's interesting. One, I really recommend the binge mode binge mode podcast from the Ringer about um, the MCU. Oh, okay. They're doing the, all the MCU MCU movies, but a lot of no them way. have that. Okay. They Spider Man, Black Panther, and a few others. Um, even if they don't say it explicitly, it's with great power comes great responsibility. Um, and you know, I wasn't thinking this before we started, but I I did a podcast with Senator Casey. Um, before in the before times, as we would call them, um, and um, but he was a very strong candidate when he first ran for Senate. That he was recruited to, um, urged to run. I I don't think it took a lot of urging, but um, mm-hmm. given your what what we see now as your depth of experience at how you could govern, do you think it's kind of incumbent on people who would be good candidates to make government better? that there's kind of responsibility that certain people could have to, you need to get in if there's no one better to run. 
Well, to an extent, yes. But here's how I like to say it. I like to say it like, you know, I, I think we all have our role to play. I think, you know, it takes all types, you know. But also, if the thought of running for office or serving in office doesn't make you sit to your stomach, you should at least not rule it out. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, there, there are not a ton of people that are interested in the kind of, um, you know, public-facing scenario that running for office presents and uh, all that that entails, you know? And that's completely understandable, but I guess, so I guess, you know, with great power comes great responsibility, and if it doesn't make you nauseated, then, yeah, I think you should run for office. And, you know, I'm seeing this, that, that we're only a couple hours, really, into the new Biden administration, and... um. I'm glad that I don't feel nauseated because of the of the clear difference in competency. Um, do you see that with your experience bringing to this as one of your jobs is to make people feel confident in how government works, you know, teaching them and making them feel like, oh, yeah, this is how things are supposed to be handled? Yes, absolutely. I think that and part of um, the appeal of you know, working in government is I like to talk to folks in plain language. I like to, you know, learn as much as I can about a subject and then break it down in the way that my weird brain does. And I think that if we're better able to communicate with constituents and communities, um, it enables folks to see stuff that's easy to ignore if you're not in the thick of it. So mm -hmm. the fact that, you know, I mean, government is the whole bureaucracy thing is, like, intentionally there to slow things down. So, you know, there are ways to move quickly on certain things, but um, most of the time it's kind of set up that way. So I don't know that a lot of folks are thinking about it like that, you know. So I think when it comes to uh, even time-sensitive stuff, whether it's, um, you know, we didn't get anybody to plow or salt our streets, you know, on Christmas or the day after, um, or it's, you know, something much on a much grander scale. I think that having some communication, not at that like graduate school, PhD word level, where you know we're using all these fancy multi-syllable words and stuff, just plain language, um, I think really can help folks to feel. Well, to understand, and I think, you know, folks feel a bit more invested if, if you're understanding, you know, how um, a process, an institution is going to affect your life in real ways mm -hmm. and potentially uh, the ways that you as an individual citizen um, or whatever your role can uh, have an influence in the direction of your community. Well, one of those real ways that goes back to something you said is something that that is um, very topical this week because this uh, not great senator from Texas um, said um, recently mocked the Biden administration for choosing Paris over Pittsburgh um, with signing the Paris Accords. Um, I saw County Executive Rich Fitz, uh, Fitzgerald saying, telling him the science is real, this is ridiculous, but... Um, on a local level, this is important to me as a mom. You said it's really important to you. Um, what what can you do to affect 
climate and environmental issues and maybe why should people care about it at a local level? Uh, that's a great question. And um, yeah, I definitely have my thoughts and I enjoyed Rich Fitzgerald's little riff there. Um, also, oh, what was it? I think my sister sent me a clip of uh, Seth Meyers. Mm -hmm. I guess his dad is originally from Pittsburgh, and so he does a really terrible Yinzuri accent, and it really made my day. So I encourage folks to, to look up Seth Meyers' Ted Cruz report there. Um, I think on the local level, so I started my career in the environmental movement, um, and so, you know, we worked on national issues, state issues, local issues, regional, you know, all the different levels, really. Um, so what I've been able to see in the kind of more hands-on, I've been in government, I've worked with a lot of, you know, constituents and neighbors that are dealing with recurring problems. And a lot of those in the South Hills of Pittsburgh deal with water mm -hmm. and landslides. So when it comes to climate change, um, we don't even have to have necessarily a debate about, you know, anything on uh, the wording or whatever. What we can say is, hey, we're getting more rain and more snow, more precipitation year after year after year. We are a city built on shale. Mm -hmm. Everything is sliding. Um, what are we going to do about this? And so we know, um, you know, the contributing factors to this. But I think, again, if we're able to make issues real and localized and say, hey, that sawmill run, we can go through the reasons that it uh, overflows and, and floods Route 51 and Route 88. Um, you know, we can talk about the pavement, the paved surface area that's not absorbing water. We can talk about the fact that we build the houses on the hills and then we put the roads in the valleys where the streets used to be. Um, you know, there's a, I think, kind of never-ending uh, ways of talking about how the big picture of climate change, which is really, I think, kind of overwhelming and scary for some folks, um, how we could break it down, talk about how it is impacting our lives and our communities, and what we can do specifically about that. And I think breaking down bigger issues, bigger problems into sort of somewhat chewable pieces that have solutions, you know, um, is, you know, first of all, the only way to solve big complex problems, but also a way to, like we're going back to public confidence, um, you know, having that transparency and having that process with the communication, I mean, it's, I think it's really just, um, I think there's so much possibility to be able to do good work in exactly those ways. And so it's interesting to me in a lot of ways. One, um, speaking of infrastructure, I, I talked with a state rep from Alaska, Andy Josephson, um, a while ago. And, um, their infrastructure is going to be in terrible shape because it's a lot of built on tundra. And if the roads uh -huh. are melted, like the, the tundra melts, their roads don't work anymore. Um so you can see, I get, and the, the water quality in the infrastructure in Pittsburgh with landslides and the hills and, you know, water deposits, um, it can have a, not just a long-term effect, but it sounds like it could have a very short-term negative consequence. 
Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, even even in these past few winters, I'd probably say maybe not as much last winter, but when we get these really hard freeze-thaw cycles. Mm-hmm. So instead of, you know, it getting down to a pretty cold temperature and staying relatively cold for, you know, a couple of months and then kind of gradually moving back up, we get the hard freeze, like down to, you know, 10 degrees or something. And then it'll go up and be 50 and something. That particularly, like, really big swing process lets our increasing amount of rainfall and precipitation, it acts like drills. Because water is one of the few things that actually expands when it prevents. So it gets bigger. So the water gets down into the little spaces. And then as we did a hard freeze, and it gets bigger, and it makes the crack bigger. Mm. You know, and then it, it goes on and on and on like that. So, yeah, there's a, a huge amount of urgency that we need to do. Um, we need to work on these issues for many reasons for the globe, you know, for our children so they have a planet to live on. Also, so that, you know, our neighbors stop having everything in their basement ruined when it floods because there's nowhere for the water to go. Especially in towns like Pittsburgh, where a lot of the homes are very old in, in a lot of areas. And I imagine a lot of the towns, the homes that are old are also often in places where people can't easily afford to move. And that the property issue also affects school accessibility and everything. So it's all connected, right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. It's all interconnected. You're totally right. We've had an issue uh, not too far from... Uh, where I live in this district, uh, folks in that exact situation, and it's, you know, so how do you, what do you do? How do you, can you get to do a buyout? Because otherwise, how on earth would they move? Where right. would they go? Yeah. I've known many people everywhere, really, in my borough here in Bridgeport and out in Pittsburgh where I'm from that had that issue too, and a lot of beautiful homes mm-hmm. where people feel stuck sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, yep. You mentioned your district, and I need to ask because I think that people outside of Pittsburgh and even in Pittsburgh um, don't—it's hard to define the neighborhoods. It's like you're—you drive a block, and suddenly you're in a whole other world. It's very there. There, I get confused. I've gotten lost in Pittsburgh, living there for most of my life. Like, what what is your district that you're running? Absolutely, that's that's funny. Um, so what I—it's uh, South Pittsburgh, and the neighborhoods are just. You know, for posterity, Beachview, Bonaire, <clears throat> Brookline, uh, Carrick, Overbrook, and a couple streets in Mount Washington. So, essentially, what that looks like <clears throat> is if you started on the south side of Pittsburgh uh, and you went up that hill away from the city and kept going for a couple miles, that's the district. So, that's Carrick and it leads to Overbrook over there. And then if you kind of migrated, down the back of that hill, you'd end up at the 5188 intersection. And my neighborhood, Overbrook, is like, if we had a little main street, that would be it. So, you know, makes it for uh, interesting um, neighborliness. But so at 5188, this neighborhood is split on all three sides of it. And then moving um, sort of, let's see, uh, further a little bit to the west, then you've got Brookline on that hill. And then if you essentially cross West Liberty Avenue, the next hill, that's Beachview. So, and then, um, and then Bonaire, let's see, Bonaire is uh, closer to 51 near the uh, Fort Pitt Tunnel. 
Um, McKinley Park is the largest park that we have um, south of the city um, in the southern neighborhoods, and it's uh, located um, in Bonaire and Beltuber, um, on around Bowsman um, off of Route 51. I'd say that's the kind of geographic bounds it is there are a ton of different unique neighborhoods in um, Pittsburgh um, most of them great um, so um, and Wayne Fontana is a state senator from that area right yeah I worked on his original campaign for state senate and um, he's an inter- he's a fun guy um, <laughs> yeah that's wild yeah, I always think it's interesting because Fontana represents Beachview but when I worked for Deb Gross he also represents Lawrenceville I was like wait how <laughs> it's um i recall and i do like him a lot but i recall i was the door knocking partner with him and he would run up to somebody who wasn't on the list and get a good reaction from them and i'd say okay so did you get their name and like, no 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 i don't know who that was I'm like well that doesn't that doesn't help us it's just oh, why didn't you ask their name uh but he's a great state senator and i appreciate him too um so it's January right now, um, January 2021. The, um, the election is in the spring. What's the process of running now? Um, because people are listening, maybe they will be encouraged to run in Pennsylvania as well. It's not too late for most of the, most of the races in the state. Yeah, not at all. Um, I know in Allegheny County, the, uh, what's called the petition period, that's where you gather enough signatures to uh, get your name on the ballot. Uh, that doesn't, it's not starting here until February 15th, which is, I think, later than normal. Uh, but so there's, there's plenty of time. Um, and I think, again, if it doesn't make you nauseated, if you uh, like to dig into some problems that, um, you know, if you like untangling knots, <laughs> running for offices, that is a good uh, uh, career choice, I think, actually. Okay, good. Normally I ask people, like, why they would encourage, to encourage people to run for office. You just did. So instead of asking, <laughs> instead of asking that question, you're looking at a challenging situation. There's a pandemic, um, r- racial injustice. There's climate change. Um, all these things that our new presidents talked about. It's a it, it's not an easy time. So you might be in the thick of a difficult governing situation with if and when you get elected. What makes you feel hopeful for what you can accomplish? That is kind of, I guess, the other part of this campaign is that um, I am a single mama, and when it comes down to resources and being a single mom, um, there's never enough. Mm-hmm. There's never enough time. There's never enough money. There's definitely never enough sleep. Um, but you uh, don't have a choice whether to get the job done. You just have to. So, you know, I think when it comes to a lack of resources, I, I can understand, and there's certainly a reason um, for services to be subpar. Um, however, I don't really, I can't just say to my son, like, oh, sorry, kiddo, we don't have any of your favorite foods this week. All we've got is, you know, bread or something, because that'll fill you up. Um, we don't have the choice to do that. And I think when it comes to creatively solving problems that are so big and so multifaceted, um, with not enough people, not enough money, and not enough time, 
I think that's a, a single parent kind of specialty. <laughs> single moms, you know, we get it done. Yeah, and, and and I think that right now, a lot of us are looking at the new people in office and saying, we elected you to get things done. And right. I feel like that should be the motto of anyone running for office, right? Like, if you don't want to get things done, why are you doing it? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that um, in some of the areas that, you know, where the old boys club is particularly strong, and we have a lot of them here in Pennsylvania, um, I think that there were times, perhaps, when these jobs were looked at because there was already a power structure in place, so mm-hmm. we already knew who made the decisions, and it wasn't necessarily going to be, you know, every elected office as it should be, where, you know, folks were looking at it more as a, you know, retirement gig, where you don't have to be in the office all that often. You really only have to be downtown for meetings um, a couple days a week. So, you know, it can be, in the past, I think it was looked at as a pretty cushy retirement gig, honestly. And... I just, again, with the urgency, I think there's, with the magnitude of the crises that we are facing, we do not have time to wait. Yeah. It's it like, get get moving or get out of the way. Absolutely. I'm 110% with that. We just, uh, we got to move now. I've noticed that, and I think over the years, I think it's it's been changing the last few years. I really recommend the organization run for something who's been encouraging um, younger people, more diverse people to run for office. Um, You know, I've looked at a lot of, especially smaller governments where no one cared but the retired people. And being older is not a bad thing, but there was no representation beyond people who've lived here forever. And so Mm -hmm. there wasn't urgency to do anything other than what those people would want to do. Um, so speaking of that representation as kind of a, a wrap-up here, um, we just um, inaugurated our first female vice president ever. Um, we have more women running for office um, across the country, but still severe lack of representation in the state legislature, in the Senate, um, in other offices. What what does representation mean? Not that you need to lift everyone up, but you know, maybe why should we be encouraging more people to run and helping them to uh, to change that? You know, it's, it's kind of an amazing uh, thing with how much kids, and I guess everybody, seeing somebody who looks like yourself in uh, office, it just does something. It makes it feel doable. When I worked with Natalia, and she was you know, a normal 30-something, just like I was, I, it was pretty inspiring. Like, wait, you can be, like, a normal person, but, you know, have some really good ideas. And um, it, it really opened my eyes up for running for office. And, you know, I've read a few anecdotes about, you know, four years ago, after the inauguration, there were children who were fearful of and asking parents about being deported. And I've heard, you know, a few anecdotes this time that there were kids saying, oh, that uh, vice president, she looks like my sister. Mm -hmm. Maybe do you think my sister will be vice president someday? So, and again, these are small little data sets here, but it really shows, one, that we value uh, perspectives 
from a wide variety of folks. And as Americans, that is, I think, our obligation. And our strength, really. Because when we have a better variety of experiences, um, and thinking processes, sitting around a table solving a problem, mm -hmm. that yields a better result. And when we've had, in Pennsylvania, as you mentioned, you know, middle-aged and older white men making all the decisions for, you know, a couple hundred years, it turns out they've missed something. So we can change that. We can actually make our government into what we want it to be for our community. Um, but it absolutely takes folks, uh, you know, stepping out and seeing that there are people that look like them doing it, and it's doable. And you have a young son. I have two young sons. Um, <laughs> and so it, nothing against being a young white male. That's great. I was one for a while. Um, but... What do you think? I think it's really important um, to show them that the world is represented by more than just them. Do you, do you, what kind of impact do you think that has on children like ours in a positive way to see that kind of diversity of views for the future? Oh, I think it's critical. I, you know, you said you're older than me. I'm 38. So, you know, I had a lot of formative years in the 90s and uh, not a great time. And I'm only 40, so it's not like I'm a lot older than you. Let's not... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll give you this little anecdote, which is that, um, oh, gosh, I forget when this was, but I overheard my son talking to my nephew, who's a little less than a year younger, and I overheard them one day saying, did you know that people used to think that women weren't, like, as good as men? And my nephew was just like, nah, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, the first president that my son remembers is Barack Obama. So for him, his entire life, a black president, that's the normal sight. That's just how it is, you know. And so when these boys see um, women making huge decisions in very important roles, they understand and it validates that women are very capable and very competent and are, you know, in general, uh, that perspective is one that is necessary. So when I look at the incoming administration and see, you know, we have our first woman uh, national intelligence director, you know, I think all of those little steps are so important because it just makes it real. And we know, you know, when we watch movies and film and such, it really makes it so visual and so uh, in your face. So when you see our Vice President Kamala Harris uh, take that oath, uh, man, it just sent a shiver down my spine because that is it, like reinforcing exactly what America is. Mm -hmm. As somebody who doesn't look like everybody who's ever done this before looks, who doesn't sound like everybody who's ever done this before sounds, but they have really good ideas. And because of that, and because of their tenacity, they were able to work into positions to make a difference. So, you know, it doesn't necessarily matter if, you know, you have uh, parents that came here um, last year or 100 years ago, you know, or grandparents, I guess. It 
what matters is uh, the perspective and life experience that we bring and the true diversity of that experience, not diversity for diversity's sake, diversity because it's representative. Mm-hmm. And when we're not, and when it's not representative, we're losing. We're losing out on valuable perspectives. Right. So I, I'm encouraged constantly seeing, you know, as the world uh, makes some serious progress. Uh, I don't know about you, but it's certainly been tough to talk to. You know, there's been a lot to talk about this year with the kids, um, you know, and talking about uh, systemic racism and, you know, police brutality. I mean, these are very heavy subjects for kids. So, you know, we know that they're capable of understanding quite a lot, even if it's not in, you know, the same nuance level as, as say, an adult brain scan. So when they're seeing the President Barack Obama, Vice President Harris, you know, our next hopefully woman senator from the state of Pennsylvania, um, that is, again, reinforcing that capability. Yeah, and it, it, it creates a narrative that's important. Um, so we're one way for people to learn about your narrative is to go to your website and follow you on social media. Uh, people are listening to this. Where could where should they go to learn more about who you are? They can find us at BethanyForCityCouncil.com. And I make this uh, mention because my mom decided to get a little creative and she spelled my name with an I at the end. <laughs> so it's B-E-T-H-A-N-I for City Council and for is spelled out. And um, you can find us on Facebook, Bethany for City Council, Instagram, I think. Um, on Twitter, I'm just at Stephanie Cameron again with the, with the eye there, um, but yeah, I would I would love it if folks would search us out and you know see if what we're working to do resonates and if so get in touch because it really takes a village and good God I mean I don't know if we ever needed the village to come together more than this moment right now in history. Well, I encourage everyone to follow Bethany and learn about what she's doing. Please follow on Twitter at Bethany. Cameron Bethany with an I. That's great that your mom did that because then if there was another Bethany, um, the website would be taken. So she was obviously thinking of that. Uh, so, so best of luck. I look forward to seeing what you're doing. And if you're listening, hopefully you are inspired by Bethany. Maybe you will be inspired to run for office in 2021 or beyond. Uh, thanks so much, Bethany. Best of luck. Thank you so much, Tony, and thanks everyone for listening, and thank you for this podcast. It is really, really cool.